Morning, church. Thank you for receiving me here. Um, Pastor Steve sent me a uh, text last night, and he said, um, we preachers, I was interesting, I was glad that he included me in that. He said, we preachers rely on the Holy Spirit and on the Word. That's the only thing we can trust, and not in ourselves. So this morning, Lord, we come before you, and we say, Lord, we rely on you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as the sermon progresses on, I pray that my presence here will decrease and your presence here will increase, that the focus will be upon you and your sweet Holy Spirit. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. The other thing that Pastor Steve asked me to do was to introduce my family and myself. Um, So my name is Adrian Thomas, my wife's name, Mary Thomas. Where's Mary? She should be sitting. Don't see her here. Oh, there she is, back there waving. And um, Mary and I have been attending here since 2003. Um, and our sons, Josiah, Ethan, and Caleb. This is a bit of a dated picture, maybe about three years old. Um, but it's the, the fastest one I could find last night. <laughs> uh, now, since Pastor Steve asked me to introduce my family... I'm going to use them in the sermon. That's, what, that's the danger. My, my wife's uh, dad is also a preacher, and uh, she always says that's the danger of being a pastor's daughter is you, you, you could get used in the sermon anytime. Um, I wanted, when Pastor Steve called me about a week and a half, almost two weeks ago, and asked if I would share, uh, quite frankly, I was reluctant. My spirit knew that I should be up here, but my flesh was reluctant. You see, it's been a little heavy for us recently. Um, Last December, it all probably started around last December, right before Christmas, I had a call from my general manager, and he made a very, very flattering offer to me and asked me to consider to take a new role in the company. I'm in the automotive business. And I said I would talk to my wife and pray about it. You know, I think most people would probably jump at the role, but I was a little concerned about the time it was going to consume for me. And my kids growing up, my kids are growing up so fast, I just wasn't sure if that was the right move. But as we prayed about it, the Lord really spoke. In major decisions, you always have to pray. And I encourage you to journal them whatever the Lord says. And the Lord spoke through sermons, spoke through devotions. He spoke through my time with Him, Mary's time with Him, and our friends who prayed with us, dear friends that spoke into our lives, prophecies. And, we, and I wrote a lot of that down in my journal. And that encouragement told me to take that role, to take that job, Because the Lord kept repeating, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. And so I took that role. Now as expected, that role is highly challenging. To add to it, my wife also took a more significant role in her school. And so she's also very busy at her school job as well. 
And we've had a lot of changes just going on in the family. We're, our house is going through renovation right now. It was supposed to be two months, and we're ongoing four, probably going to last six, maybe seven. So doors are, you know, there's, there's a big door in my bedroom that's broken down. Walls are broken down. Bricks are coming down. Things are out of our room, into the dining room. Everything is all over the place right now. My poor pa- parents, my in-laws that moved up here from Birmingham to be with us, uh, waiting for the, the, the renovations to complete. They're, we're all living together now uh, in a smallest area. But, you know, I, I've also learned that in spite of all of this, there's so much benefit to having the family support with you. Because Mary and I are so busy in our jobs, my in-laws are really helping us out, transporting the kids around to all the different activities. And it's just so much support being in the camp of family. Um, when I wrote the, the words down in my journal, here are some, some of the things that I reflected on. Where I was asking myself, am I even qualified to do this role? And, and the Lord was saying, I will be with you. And he said, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And the Lord is saying, no matter what you go through, remember, I will be with you. And here's my favorite. He says, and lo, I will be with you always. Always, even to the end of the age. This made me reflect over the last few weeks as we carried our burdens. You know, many times I come up here. Well, I haven't come up here many times. I'm sorry. Many times when I speak at congregations, I've come up here maybe three times. But I always tell you the highs that's going on in the Thomas household, all the great stuff that God is doing for us. And we always never seem to highlight the lows. And I come to you today just wanting to be transparent. I carry a burden. My wife carries a burden with these new assignments that the Lord has given us, that has given our family. And sometimes these assignments are hard. Sometimes these assignments affect our relationship. To be completely transparent with you, just last week, right before we walked into church. We had an argument in the car. I almost wondered if I should even come to church that Sunday. But I decided to come. And she did too. And do you remember what Pastor Steve preached on? Oh boy. I was, Lord, where is it for her? Why is it all for the men? <laughs> but you know, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that because in my role, I wear two hats. I sometimes have to wear a politician's hat at work where I have to negotiate and I have to try to please as many parties as I can. But many times I have to wear a hat of a tank commander where we're in trouble and I see a way out. If you don't listen to any voice right now, let's get out of here. I'm going to show you how to get out of here. Let's do this. And so I keep 
flipping the hats back and forth throughout the day. And I realized one thing, my character needs to be continually developed. I need wisdom continually to know when to put the tank commander hat on and when to put the politician hat on to negotiate and work with people. I struggle with that sometimes. I struggle with that more at home because sometimes I come home with the tank commander hat and I forget because of the longer hours at work, you come home in work mode and you got that hat on, you hear a problem. My first instinct is I'm going to solve this problem. And I'm trying to do it with the tank commander hat on. And that's where it hurts. And Pastor Steve's message last week about cherishing our wives, listening to our wives, struck home. You know, this reminds me, the Lord spoke to me about this role and about our assignments for the year. He gave us promises. And all the promises of God are yes and amen through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we got, sometimes we get the assignment and the calling and we get the word, the prophecy, and we go gung-ho, all for it. But do not lose heart when trouble comes your way because Jesus told us in this world there will be trouble. It reminds me back in 2005, very early in the year, actually it was late 2004, Mary and I had a conversation about starting a family. We didn't have children yet. And she brought up the conversation and she asked me, what do you think about that? And my response was, well, I remember doing premarital counseling with Pastor Steve Gehring. I love Pastor Steve Gehring. He was the one that did our wedding ceremony. And I said, I remember doing the counseling with him, and we wrote some goals down. And one of the goals that you had written down that I agreed with you was when we start a family while the children are young and little, you would like to stay home like your mom did and raise the kids. I said, I'm not sure we can afford that. We're still dependent on your income. And so I pushed it off and said, let's just pray about it. And she prayed about it. And I think I forgot to pray about it. Uh, about three weeks later, in the first service, there was a gentleman sitting there, and I had not seen in a while, a long time. He's, he, he actually called me from my former place of employment, and he said, Adrian, I've got a role that's open. Would you like to come work for us? And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. Uh, you know, I kind of went back and forth, because we get comfortable doing the things we want to do. So I said, let's pray about it. We went for a prayer meeting in Wilmore, Kentucky, led by Dr. Neff. And I go up for prayer and asking about, well, there's this job coming up. I'm not sure if I should go for this interview. And Dr. Neff tells everybody, they're, 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 all, they're, they're spirit-filled folks and they speak. They speak what the Lord gives them. They give words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Um, they do it biblically, and we test them. 
And so they, they receive that. Dr. Neff quiets everybody down. He says, you know, the Lord keeps dropping in my spirit the word baby. Have you guys been talking about having a baby? Or are you all pregnant? What's... And I'm, the two of us looked at each other and, and we were shocked. And he says, you know, don't worry about this job. It will be very clear to you what you should do. But the Lord says he's going to bless you with a baby. And so immediately I knew I should go for that interview. Now, I, I forgot to tell you the part. I had actually applied for the job. I had even asked for a salary that was barely a little bit more than what I was getting. I had not considered my wife's salary. But within two to three weeks, I got the response, and it was my salary plus my wife's salary and a little bit more. And I was shocked. The Lord answers our wife's prayers. <laughs> um, but you see, he didn't stop speaking over there. He continued to give us promises. And we wrote them down concerning this child that we were going to have. But what was plaguing my wife's mind that I didn't realize I wasn't really carrying that burden was that we weren't she wasn't really getting pregnant. And she, was, she had concerns. And that, that concern she carried secretly. She never really shared it with me. And we went back to Dr. Neff's meeting for a regular meeting, not for prayer or anything like that. And this was, you know, this was after, after I took that job and it was going on for a while. And in the middle of him preaching, in the middle of his sermon, he stops. And he just stops. It's like he gets interrupted in the spirit. And he turns to Mary and he points to her and she says, The Lord says, you will have that baby. And she starts crying. Well, we did have that baby, and that's my son Josiah, Thomas. And when we had him, he was about three weeks premature, three to four weeks premature. And we were excited, but we didn't know what this meant, being three to four weeks premature. Well, what ended up happening was... At a very young age, the first three years of his life, maybe even four, Josiah possibly threw up about three to four times a day, at least for the first two to three days, uh, two to three years. We couldn't go out to a restaurant because he, he, he threw up so much, he developed a gag reflex against food. If he would smell our food, if he walked up to a dining table and smell it, he would just throw up watching it or smelling it. It was hard for Mary especially. My Bible that I still have till today, that I keep till today, has that stain of him throwing up on my Bible as he was drinking his milk. And so you ask the Lord, Lord, you give us these promises. Why do we have these problems. You spoke so powerfully. Aren't we supposed to be a testimony? See, I had dear friends in this church, many that came and encouraged us, one of them being the Ogata family. I remember one thing Earl Ogata told me. He said, Adrian, he told me two things. One is we always win. 
because we're in God's family. We win. Number two, he said, don't look at the, the progress minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. He said, look at the progress months at a time and you will see the finger of God never left you. And indeed, God never left us. The Holy Spirit continued to heal my, my, my boy. He continued to overcome this. He couldn't eat solids for a long time. It delayed his speech because of his jaw muscles being de- uh, did not develop in time. We were fearful that he wouldn't be able to talk. But you know what? God has blessed him so much that since he started talking, he hasn't shut up. <laughs> but there's something special Something else special about him. This son of mine, I forgot to tell you, when Dr. Neff gave the prophecy to Mary that said, you will have the baby, the next sentence he said was, and he will be anointed from the womb. There was something special about him because from a very young age, he loved God because he had to depend on God. He prayed from a very young age to be healed. He didn't take anything for granted. He's close to the Lord. From If there's something inappropriate that he hears on the radio or on the TV, he's the first one in the house to make sure he gets turned off or his channel gets switched. He's very black and white when it comes to God's righteousness. He reads his Bible every day. He does his devotions. When he go, before he goes to school, he wakes up early to make sure he spends time with the Lord, even if he sleeps at 12 or 1 studying at night. He's an excellent student. You know who was up last night with me at 1.30 listening to this message? Josiah. You know what he did? He walked, he walked with me to the barn. I... Gave him part of the message because I want to make sure he was going to be okay with me sharing this. And so I I let him be the test case. And he listened and he timed me. And it went over time just to warn you. (laughs) And then he said, Dad, he said, that was pretty good. You know, he said, yeah, I really liked it. That was powerful. And then he started giving me pointers like an old professor. (laughs) And then he stretched out his hand and he prayed over me. I prayed over him after that. And I asked the Lord for a double anointing on him. You see... Even if we get the promises of God and trouble comes our way, God never leaves us. He never lies. His word is real. He will fulfill his word. I haven't even really started the message yet, guys. (laughs) Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produces endurance, and oh, how we need a store of endurance in us. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And why do we have this hope? Because of the love of God, the habitation of God, 
the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father that is so full in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit, we get to dwell with the Father and the Son. And that gives us the hope because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ our Lord. When we talk about endurance producing character, I'm reminded, a friend of mine reminded me very recently of a Chinese pastor that wrote a book on character. He likened character to the dish that we're serving the meal on. He says, you can have the most exquisite meal, a delicious meal. But if you're serving it on a dirty scrap piece of newspaper, you bring the level of that dish way down and that soggy newspaper is going to give up and let all the food out of it, all of his content out of it. Character. I stand here today, perhaps my character is not a soggy newspaper, but it's certainly not fine china either. My character needs development. And that's why God is so good. He promises, He blesses, but he lets us walk through these things and he never leaves us to help develop our character. I think my character is more like the Indian ethnicity in me wants to eat on a banana leaf. That's probably where I stand. Perhaps not a dirty newspaper, not China. I'm probably starting off in a banana leaf and I, need, I have much room to get better. This dwelling with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit takes me back to the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in John chapter 14. You know, his, his disciples were all getting very concerned because he was talking about leaving them. He was talking about going to the cross. At the same time, he was talking about being with them forever. So it was very confusing. See, he starts out his discourse. He says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. He's saying, if you believe in the promises of the Father, if you believe in dwelling with the Father, all of the covenants, promises that you've learned about the Father, well, believe also in the Son. Because he's saying the Father and the Son are the same. They are in each other. He says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That was the goal that we would be able to dwell with the Father and the Son. You know, whenever we preach this or teach this, we think of, we think of mansions or you hear this in funerals, you think about 
you're going to get a mansion in the sky. And perhaps that's true. I would like a mansion, but quite frankly, I love living on the beach. I've already had my, my, my prayer with the Lord. Lord, if I get to heaven, I'm looking for a beach spot, a little bungalow by the beach facing the ocean. I'll come to the city of gold. I'll do my pilgrimage, but Lord, you've got to be on the beach with me too. <laughs> but really, the word mansion can be translated as dwelling places. We got to go back to what the biblical sense of dwelling places really mean. If we go back to the Hebraic science sense of a dwelling place, going back to the to the times of Abraham and Jacob, it's encampments, camps, right? Family camps. Like I said, living with my in-laws now, we're in a we're in a family camp, and I'm finding the benefits. Of the family system supported, so family support. And this is the same concept here. Jesus was inviting us to live with him and the Father in their camp, in their household. And he's saying, when we dwell together, you're going to have my name. When we dwell together, you'll have fellowship with the Father. So your problems as a child of God, are now the father's problems as well. And he has those solutions. Whatever you're walking through, the father is very interested in it. And that's why he has given you his Holy Spirit to comfort you, strengthen you, build you, and help you. It's dwelling with the Father. You know, when, when, the, when Ab- the times of Abraham, Jacob, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whenever they, they, they had children, they had to enlarge their camps, their tents. And the way they did this was they built their, their tent panels that was about two to, three, two to three feet wide, made out of goat's hair, weaved goat's hair. Black, to signify addition of new and young. And they would add to these tents, and it would grow the camp. You know, uh, when, when Scripture talks about Isaac being 40 years of age, you could literally translate that to be 40 tent panels old. And so... These additions was how the family grew. And when they lived within the camp, they get to enjoy the, the household, the father's good graces, his protection, his love, his security. You grew up in the beauty of his household, his splendor. When it says, Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord, Genesis 6, 8. That was talking about Noah, basically, he's, he found elegance, grace, splendor. He dwelled with the Lord. He was God's very own. When God saw him, God saw his son, his child. And so automatically, when I see my sons, even I was in the first service and in the second service, my middle son came by and brought me a bag of goodies and left over there. 
My heart leaped when I saw him. That's my son. You know, Noah found favor. My sons find favor in my eyes. You know. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 84, better is one day in thy courts than a thousand elsewhere. Because when you're in the courts of God, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Problems and all. All of them will have problems. Everyone has problems. But I'd rather be in God's tent having those problems than outside. This is another verse from Luke 2.40. Chapter 2, verse 40. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ growing. It says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. The Hebraic view of that, using that word Cain that we talked about, living in God's splendor and God's beauty and God's good graces, it means the child grew in the beauty of God. He received love, compassion, and protection from God. Love, compassion, and protection. I just want to dwell on that for a little bit. Some of you may have bondages of shame, bondages of guilt that need to be broken, that you're carrying. And too often we come up here and we put all the bad stuff aside and we show a good face. I don't want to do that today. Let it fall. Because what you want is to replace that with God's love, compassion, protection, and healing. What you want is to come inside the camp. Get inside the camp. Get inside the camp and let Him heal you of these hurts and the pains. And just be real with the Lord. You know, continuing on John 14... Jesus tells us how all this can be possible. Because on one hand, he's saying, I'm going to leave you. On another hand, he says, I'm going to come back. But what in the interim, Lord? What happens in the interim? Well, he says, I pray the Father, he will give you another helper, the comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Hear that, folks. The Holy Spirit is here so that you can abide with God forever. That's why Jesus can say, I will never leave you or forsake you, even to the end of ages, because the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, His Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus lives with you and in you. Not just in you, but He lives life with you. He walks with you through this pain, through these difficulties. And here He says, I will not leave you as orphans. The Greek word is orphanos. It means of uncertain affinity, meaning I will not leave you abandoned or you not belonging to anyone. You will belong to me. You're my family. This is so much likened to a first century Jewish engagement 
Let me explain a little bit more. You see, there are three steps to a Jewish wedding in the first century. One's called a Sedukin, second's called a Rusin, and third, Nisin. What that just means is the first one is the arrangement where the fathers, they scope out who they want their daughter or their son to marry, and they meet the other family and get the arrangement. A lot of times they use a matchmaker called a shotgun. A good example of that is uh, when um, Abraham asked his servant, his most senior servant, to go find a bride for his, for his uh, son. And, and that was a shotgun, the matchmaker. And Paul has a beautiful verse about presenting us pure and spotless to Christ. Paul is acting like the matchmaker there, the bride of Christ. And then the second one is called the erusin, the engagement. It's, it's very much what uh, Mary, the mother and Joseph, Mary, I'm sorry, Mary, the mother of Jesus and Joseph, they were engaged to each other when she was found with child, when, she, when the Holy Spirit came upon her. That's the engagement. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. The last one is Nissen, the marriage. After the engagement period is over and the father decides it's over, the son has built the home, the father blows the shofar, the horn, to start the procession. And that procession, they will start the procession. They'll bring the, the party to the bridal house. And, they will, and the bridegroom will carry the bride off her feet, carry her off her feet, to a canopy, and they'll have, um, they'll have the second cup of wine. I forgot to tell you, the first cup of wine is held during the engagement between the bride and groom. Um, you know, the Last Supper, Jesus said something about that. He said, I won't, uh, he was drinking wine with his disciples. He said, I won't taste his fruit again until the kingdom comes. And that's the, the marriage, Supper of the Lamb. And so, these are the three stages. I want to focus on that second stage for a while there. You see, in, in, during the engagement period, the ceremony is held under the canopy. A legal contract is signed. Both parties will have to stipulate what they're bringing into the marriage. The groom promises protection, provision, and a future home. And the bride and groom will share the first cup of wine like I talked about. Let's look at John chapter 14 in this context. Jesus is now bringing his, his side of the bargain. Here's what I'm bringing to you. I'm going to prepare a home for you. Then he's saying, I'm going to come back again. That's a promise. And receive you to myself. Then he's saying something very important here. But I'm going to leave my spirit with you. I'm going to pray to the Father to send my spirit, another helper, that he may abide with you forever. See, he didn't abandon us. I'm not going to leave you as orphans, meaning you're not going to be known as the bride who doesn't have a husband and doesn't belong to anybody. You have my name, my seal, and I'll come to you. The most treasured gift that we have from the Lord Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. It is like an engagement ring. Look at this verse from 2 Corinthians one twenty-two from the Passion Translation. He knows we are His since He has also stamped His seal of love over our hearts and has given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring is given to a bride, a down payment of the blessings to come. 
our most treasured gift is God's Spirit walking with us, fellowshipping with us, and allowing us to dwell in the camp of our Father and of our Redeemer. And we can live with them forever. That doesn't mean we will not have hard times. We can be real. But it means that He's going to be with us and give us the grace for it. I like to share a testimony from a beautiful young lady that goes to our church that shows how, in spite of the hard times we walk through, how God walks alongside us and comforts us. And how God strengthens us. And how God builds our character. And how God heals us and uses our pain to also comfort others. And how at the end of the day, we belong to Him. And we can praise His name because we're well taken care of. Let me read this testimony as the musicians come up. On July 14, I went to have, I'm sorry, the, the title of this testimony is called Miscarriage Testimony. On July 14, I went to have my first ultrasound. I was 10 weeks pregnant, and my husband and I were so excited. The plan was to get a picture of my beautiful baby, hear their little heartbeat, and tell all our family and friends the following day that we were pregnant. But things did not go as planned. My doctor told me at the appointment that they could not find a heartbeat, and the baby had grown only to seven weeks. I was told that I should do a procedure to remove my baby that day, but I wanted time and a second opinion. I was not going to tell anyone about what had happened because I thought you just don't talk about that kind of stuff with people. And I hadn't told many people I was pregnant, but I was visibly distraught to my friends. I was in such a bad state mentally that I needed to and eventually did reach out to prayer warriors around me who I trusted and told them to pray for a miracle. I believed for the next week and a half that the diagnosis was wrong. And even if it was, I knew my God could reverse it. We had friends and family fasting and praying for us. Even a pastor overseas who was committed to praying with us every night believing for a miracle. And it was a very hard time physically and emotionally. And although I was having a hard time hearing God through my pain, He kept showing up in amazing ways. Letting His presence be known to me. For instance, during this time, I got stuck in a parking deck and a woman behind me kindly used a fob to let me out. That same day, I was eating dinner with my best friend and she informed me that she had a miscarriage a couple of weeks prior and we cried together in the restaurant. And on our way out, we saw a rainbow, which God often uses to remind me of His covenant with me. 
And on the morning of my appointment with the second doctor, I went through a drive-thru and someone bought my meal. Things like that kept happening and I knew that the Lord was showering me with love. When I went in for my second ultrasound, I just knew I would hear my baby's heartbeat. But we got the news that we were dreading. The same exact report. No growth and no heartbeat. I scheduled a procedure for the end of the week. I was not mad at God, but I questioned why He would let that happen and why He would not do the miracle for me. The next day, I went to Kroger for something, and when I walked in, I saw that roses were on sale for $3.99 that day only. And I knew that the Lord had done that for me. I saw the most beautiful yellow roses I had ever seen and bought them. At home, when I was unpack- unpackaging them, I saw one of them broken, very close to the flower, and would not be able to go into the vase with the others. I heard the Lord say, That's your baby. And carefully put the rose in a small cup of water. And then I heard the Lord say, That one will live forever. And I knew he was not talking about the rose, but my baby. I wept and wept and recited a poem in my mind that just came to me about my baby being a yellow rose. And I named the poem, Yellow Rose. The next day I had a knock on the door and to my surprise, it was a bouquet. The florist handed the most beautiful vase full of flowers to me and said, I hope this isn't weird, but I left a note in there for you and I'm sorry for your loss. I saw that the flowers were from one of my prayer warriors that I had reached out to, and I opened up the note and that the florist left in red. Open quotes. I am the owner. I am so sorry. I lost my baby this month. It has been devastating. I want you to know that you are not alone. I hope this isn't weird. I just know I'm having a rough time. And if you are, it's okay not to be okay. I place the yellow rose from my angel to yours. I hope and pray you get your rainbow. At least our babies will be together in playground heaven. Close quotes. I looked at the bouquet and in the center was a single yellow rose. I was so shocked. I ran to text my friend who ordered the flowers to ask if I had told her about the yellow roses. And she said I didn't share that with her. And when I told her the story and what the florist had written, she was just as much in shock as I was. During those very dark times, I had a hard time hearing God through my sorrow and pain but he was so faithful to remind me that he was so near, so close, and that he loved me so much. He showed me in various ways, but especially through the yellow rose. You know, 
I feel like I need to share a small tidbit about that story that will really show you how the Holy Spirit works in these situations. That friend that ordered the flowers was my wife, Mary. And she had not spoken to the florist. See, what had happened was when she ordered the flowers, the computer did an autocorrect and changed the name and she didn't catch it. And when the order went through, it had the wrong name on it. And so she sent an email to the florist and said, please, please, could you help fix this problem? To the shop, she sent that email. She said, my friend, these are very close friends of ours that just lost a baby. And I don't want to get their names wrong. And she got a response from the shop that said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. But Mary didn't know that the florist had lost her baby too. Nobody told the florist about the yellow flowers. You see how the Holy Spirit uses our imperfections and our mistakes. I like what she said. It's okay not to be okay. Let's be real, folks, tonight or this morning. If you're not okay, your father knows that already. If you're not okay, the Lord Jesus wants to come and heal your heart. Let the pride fall today. Come up here and get the prayer you need. Come up to the altars. Come up to the folks that are praying for you. Let them speak God's promises into your life. I love this old hymn that says, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he added his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, his power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he given and he given and he given again folks I'm going to have my wife and my son come up here stand in the middle with me praying for people that need any prayer and I know the altar team is going to come up too let that pride fall today let those tears roll today come and be real with God come into, come into his camp tonight come in Chris, come on up, brother. If you have a word of wisdom, a knowledge for, for the church, go ahead and share it, please. Adrian called me earlier this week and asked me to intercede with him as he was praying through this and just to pray and, and see what the Lord was saying. And this whole week, I've just kind of been doing that. And um, I just wanted to share a couple things. This first is that the Lord is with you and he loves you so much um, and that there's an isolating feeling that many people may have that when you're in trouble or, or you're stuck into things that you feel like the Lord's not with you, but he's literally, he's with you in the middle of it. So I just want to share a couple of these things that are not exhaustive, but as I was praying, I sensed the Lord Jesus was wanting to heal somebody who had a hip injury. He was going to recreate bone mass. 
I saw him, he was aware that somebody had an eye condition and he wanted to heal that. I saw blood entering the eye and too fast and he was going to slow it down. And then I kept hearing this about addiction, so many different kinds, not just drugs, but so many kinds that the Lord was with you and he was about to heal people. He says, I'm setting you free from addiction. Tell them I've been with you your entire life, the whole time. And then I saw that there was many folks who had a wound from the past and that the Lord was going to heal folks who were deeply wounded. Uh, Any kind of hearing disorders, the Lord was, was after that. And then a word for prodigals. I sense that there's people who are carrying burdens for family members or people around you. And I saw this picture of horses. I saw that the prodigals were like horses that were wild horses. And they'd run off into another pasture. And they'd been treated badly. And I saw that the Lord Jesus was coming after those prodigals, those wild horses, to bring them home. And that he was going to himself go after them and bring them home. And just just a few more here, and I'll let you guys, I just want to invite you up here. Maybe someone is feeling homeless. The Lord is bringing you back home, giving your home back. And then also, I know this is a touchy one, but maybe someone is struggling with mental illness and your brain feels out of control and you feel like you've suffered with this. And that uh, the word I felt like the Lord was saying is Jesus is going to speak peace over your brain and cause there to be stillness. And then just healing again over our eyes. I just want to bless you and ask you to, to come up. Let us agree with you with what the Lord is already doing and loving you and seeking you out. This altar is going to be open. There'll be people to pray with you. You know, I love what Adrian said. He said, it's okay not to be okay, but it's just not okay to stay there. It's okay not to be okay, but don't stay there. I was talking with Chris in between services, telling a little bit about my story. I was a prodigal for almost 20 years. One of the hardest places to be is broken before the Lord because it hurts. It's hard. But when we say, Lord, I'm done running, I surrender to you, we simply become the clay and allow him to be the potter. Maybe some of you have been trying to be the potter. That's not our job. Our job's to let him be the potter and us just be the clay. And you know what? Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord. If that's you, I just want you to repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I recognize you as the potter, as the Heavenly Father. I've not been just the clay. I want to give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name. If you said that for the first time, I want you to come up here and I want you to tell somebody. Don't leave here today not okay. Come up here and do the business that you need to do with the Lord. As we sing these last two songs, these altars are open.
come to the altar. and just let these words just watch, wash over you today.
in this world we will have trouble. But take heart, for he has overcome the world. Amen? Think about what Earl Ogata said. Don't forget, we win. We know the end of the story. And we're always going to be in one of three places. Whether they're getting ready to fight, we are fighting or we're coming out of a fight. That's just the way life is. But Jesus said, it's better that I go because the Holy Spirit is with you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. We have kingdom authority. We have kingdom power. Let us not forget that. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you bless your people. Empower them, Lord, through your spirit to face every single battle. And to be like David versus Goliath saying, I have the God of the army of hosts fighting for me. The Lord will fight my battle. So Lord, fight for your people. Send your best warring angels to do battle for them in the heavenlies. For we know we fight not against flesh and blood. And Lord, may we pray on the armor of God every single day. The belt of truth fixed around our waist. The breastplate of righteousness, our feet fitted with the shoes of the gospel of peace. That we pick up the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, which can extinguish any fiery dart. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word. And in that word, it's already been said, he's not a promise breaker, he's a promise keeper. And all his promises are yes and amen. For those who are in Jesus Christ, bless your people today. Please slip out quietly, pick up your children. If you need prayer, don't leave here without doing the business that you need to do with the Lord. God bless you. Have a great day. Joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in and hope to see you next week.